Our podcast is intended for mature audiences. We will be using adult language and listener discretion is advised. We'd like to remind everyone that we don't have all the answers. Our discussions are opportunities for us to understand the world around us with the information we have. That means we may say things that are inaccurate, false, or possibly offensive. Thank you. Hello, everybody. It's been a long time. Welcome to Obvious. How's everybody doing today? Hanging out, Fan- man. Fantastic. Doing good. What's, been, what's everybody been up to? Who's going to set it off? So, I guess to get things started, I got sick on Friday. And so nice. that's been a little rough. But luckily, I've been able to ride it out throughout the weekend. So, it hasn't been too bad. Did you have the flu? Yeah. No, you're not dying. Yeah, yeah I had the flu. So, um, it made me kind of sick. But I think, luckily, it's happening before Election Day. So, I can get my I can get things squared away. And... Um, you know, get ready for the election. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but it's going to be a really busy day uh, tomorrow. So we'll see how things run off. But I'm excited for. I think hopefully you know, there isn't a runoff. <clears throat> I know. I know. Look at you, Richmond Politics 101. I learned it from you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited. It should be it should be fun tomorrow, and I think we're ready for the uh, for things to get squared away. Man, it's going to be a hell of an election. This is going to define a whole generation of children that grow up to kill innocent people of color. <laughs> you know, there's legitimacy to that. There's really? Like elementary. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, turning out to be monsters, real bullies for real. And I think Trump has incited a lot of that. I think old white guys have incited a lot of that. And it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, man. I saw this dude on my Facebook feed. He was trying to argue like uh, somebody was saying like, why? Uh, why is like saying go back to Africa like still a thing? And this dude like commented on my friend's Facebook status. He was like, yeah, you know, we should have returned you after like we learned you guys weren't going to do any work. And I was like, whoa, oh whoa, whoa. like wow. it was it was terrifying. I was like, you you really think that? <laughs> little, he was like, Never mind. Don't, don't, I don't want to get started on that front. But it's it amazing. Terrifying. Like, how does how does someone think that way? I mean, it has a lot to do with perspective. And I mean, uh, they were grown up in a certain household that uh, believed in certain values. And uh, I mean, you, you can't hate on them. The people that you can hate on are the people that They're think that, that. Yeah, think that, but actually know better. You know, those are the people that need to be set straight. The people oh, yeah. that you know grew up that way, and that's the only thing that they've been around for their entire lives. I mean. And no matter how wrong it is, you can't fault them for that because they've only grown up in that in that environment. They've only seen those types of things in their life, so they haven't been be... exposed to culture or diversity. Even though the internet is accessible to most people now, but still, you know, diversity and culture is not something that's accessible to those folks. So you have to really understand, think... and you kind of feel for those people because they don't know any anything else. To a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not okay to yeah. be ignorant. Definitely not endorsing that. I'm not yeah, saying that it's okay to willing, be ignorant. You need a but I'm willingness saying that you, to learn. The people that know better are the people that are should be held accountable. The people that don't know any better, you should educate and use mediums like politics to try to educate them, understand different perspectives, understand kind of what the system is and, and how people, and really what the system is currently and how you want to change it. Education is the way to combat all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm not I trying to preach to the choir because you guys already know yeah, all no. that. I think, again, and it comes down straight. It comes down to that individual's willingness to learn, you know? I think that's a big point. Like, yeah, you can't fault them for how they've been raised, but you can fault them for how they confront new sources of information and, di- and differing opinions. I think that's a big thing. And I think the most important thing about things like social justice is, listen, none of us were born perfect, but we've all acknowledged that we've had problematic behaviors in the past or we may have been raised certain ways. And we've moved past that. I think that's what it takes is that in, from the individual's end, like, yeah, he was raised a certain way, but, you know, so was I. I was raised as a Muslim. I was raised fairly homophobic, you know? So I think it <clears throat> agree, was, agree. But you, but you yeah. also were raised in Northern Virginia where it's heavily democratic and are you around people that aren't exactly, um, you know, you're around people that are homophobes or you're around people that aren't homophobes. You're around a, a certain set of culture that believes in a certain set of values as opposed to 
people in Southwest Virginia where it's not as diverse. It doesn't have a lot of those diverse values. And so you have to understand that people that don't venture out outside, outside of that that culture. There's no way to change is what you're saying. No, no. There's no avenue of change. I mean, in Northern Virginia, you can meet somebody that is, you know, gay, whatever. But in Southwest Virginia, you might not have that exposure. That's that's what it is at the end of the day. Absolutely. I'm not not saying that. that Like I said, my clear distinction was I'm not endorsing that, but I'm saying it's a lot harder when you're raised in Southwest Virginia. Versus yeah, you're or, raised in Northern I mean, Virginia, yeah, but your environment of, always changes yeah, things. Exactly, and again, it, it, you know, talking about exposure, exposure. If if a person in that area is even able to freely express those rights, you know, whether they know it's right or wrong, you know, the Thank safety you. to do so. Yeah, yeah. It's also a lot about learning, unlearning, learning, and unlearning everything. Just like the microaggressions that that I, that me myself am realizing that I've been growing up with, uh, just like the, the little factors that are quote unquote really racist, but it's just so inbred into my culture. so inbred into the media that I watched when I was a kid that, that when I'm starting to realize is, wow, that's actually really rude. And it wasn't portrayed that way. And all these, you notice all these little things, you try to unlearn all that while you are learning to unlearn, if that makes sense. Yeah. This election is unlearn is important. No, no, no doubt. I mean, this election is a great opportunity for folks that didn't think that a woman could become president. It's uh, another monumental, it's a monumental achievement, and I think in our country's history. Uh, I mean, we went through the first African American president, and right to follow that, and it's the first. I mean, let's. I mean, it's premature to say, but. <clears throat> Possibly first woman president, first female president. Possibly first president that grabs women. Wait, no, no, probably not, actually. No, I'm not. (laughs) But I think it's a good uh, point in our country's history to really move past certain stereotypes. And I think Muslims are playing a huge role in this this election. I mean, what campaign in the past? I'm not saying I don't have enough experience in this realm to know yet since I've only been in politics for a little bit, but what what campaigns in the past have hired a designated Muslim advocate? <clears throat> Hillary's campaign has. You know, they've hired this guy named by the name of Farouk Mehta, and he's uh, his sole responsibility is to get more Muslims engaged in this election. And is so he from he's, India? I think so. Mehta sounds like an Indian name. I think so. <laughs> That's why I asked. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's because, uh, but I mean, it's just it's a it's a. At least he's not Bobby thing. Jindal. Fuck that motherfucker. Fuck you, Bobby Jindal. Come fight me, <laughs> you bitch ass. I think it's because the Hillary campaign recognizes that Muslims are a huge swing demographic. You know, us. You know, historically speaking, uh, we've been pretty much a moderate demographic for a really long time. We. A lot of Muslims are fiscally conservative, a lot of them are socially conservative, but it's been anti-Islamic rhetoric coming from the right that's kind of dissuaded them from voting that way in past elections. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really smart on them to kind of capitalize on us in a weird way. I'm not like, I'm not like yes, use us, but at the same time, like, good for you for understanding that there is a need for that kind of interaction and recruitment. No, that's a really good point, Adam. That's a really, really good point. But at what point does it become pandering? Like when it's just obvious that they're just, you know, just pandering for those votes, saying whatever, visiting whoever they need to in order to appeal to that demographic. Because we definitely see that with, you know, on the Trump side. I mean, recently he came out with a video um, with the uh, disabled folks or whatever, you know. He also came out with a Diwali video. Yes, yes. It went from Happy Diwali to this is the craziest propaganda video in the entire election (laughs) series. It is terrifying. He's trying to like pander to those like redneck Indians that like hate Muslims for no fucking reason. He's like, they're terrorists. It went from Happy Diwali to kill Muslims. And it was terrifying. Wait, in the same video? In real? the same fucking video. It, it was a minute and 15 second video. Oh my god. Jeez. Oh my goodness. And he tries to speak Hindi. Like, Obama does it, and it's like, alright, you're black, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my god, it's just so problematic. There's, it just hurts. Looking yeah, at it, it's like, like, I died. No, you're right. I mean, I saw that video. That video was hysterical. Because... 
<laughs> Trump is trying to speak Hindi in this video. And it, it, th- at that point, you're absolutely right. It's 100% pandering because Trump knows that he's not, he doesn't really have a chance to win over that vote. And the only way he did it was to, to try to, to cater to a population right. that, you know, he desperately wants to, to get their votes for. And I mean, <clears throat> that video is, is <laughs> it's There's so many problems with it. I think Trump only has one demographic. He doesn't. <laughs> right. People that hate Muslims. Well, and, and the thing is, this election is a prime example of how many f- different demographics have been uh, marginalized and pushed to the pushed to the brink. I mean, uh, early and often in the beginning of this election, you saw Latinos, uh, gay and the lesbian and transgender community isolated, uh, Muslims, uh, women. I mean, you name it, group after group after group. By the by, the Trump campaign, and I'm not the, trying to the, the disabled community. Oh, the disabled community, yeah. And so it's a huge. It's a, it was this election demonstrated a lot of things. First, you know, it really kind of put out there where does the Republican Party stand, because <clears throat> their candidate at the moment is saying all of these crazy, ludicrous things, and uh, there were still a good amount of Republican uh, Republican legislators or stakeholders or spokespeople that were completely behind him. And then there was the defining moment in this campaign's history where he, Trump, talked about grabbing the pussy. <laughs> and so, and that completely changed the uh, kind of the direction in which Republicans supported him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it was really interesting to see, I think, and uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But that was locker room talk, you know? Well, Everybody does it. You just got to Get out of here. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Is I thought I thought he had a mini moment like that before the grabbing the bleep, uh, you know, we line happened. We say pussy. I, I mean, I we think... say fuck shit and ass and all this other <laughs> know, shit. And you worried about saying I'm that? Just, I'm just quoting like a, I'm quoting like a Hillary advert where they quoted it, but they said grab <laughs> him by the blurted bleep. blurted it out. They blurred out the word. Like, you don't even know what he could be saying. That mm. I saw that at work and I was dying. But like, um, I was surprised like that outcry didn't happen when he bashed on John McCain. There's right? been a lot it of outcry. Yeah, you especially because sense. like, yeah, right. Because think I mean, about it's it. Like, interesting what is... to see like where people's breaking point is, where people's like boiling point. Is. At at what point mm. you know do do Republicans stop giving their support? And I feel like a lot of pub. Republicans dropped it really close to the end. Yeah. Like, oh, where were y'all? Campaign. Yeah, where were y'all from the very beginning when all the signs were being dropped? Like, hey, you know, this guy's kind of, you know, fishy. Like, he, he doesn't smell right right now. Like, you know. <laughs> Good way to put it. Yeah, exactly. and that was the thing. There's been a lot of that. Bush's campaign manager was like, yeah, I am not going to vote for Donald Trump. And it was literally at the drop of a dime. He was just like, no, I don't want to do this. This is a terrible idea. And this is the guy that helped Bush get into the White House. It's it's an amazing perspective that the Republican Party is coming to terms with. It's yeah, a breaking point. This... That's what it is. And I mean, yeah. um, what we're what we're kind of and another important series of elections that are happening tomorrow, which is not just the presidential. There's a couple congressional races that are happening that are huge, like the Luann Bennett and Barbara Comstock Barbara race. Com- Barbara Comstock is the incumbent. She represents PWC, which is Prince William County along with a variety of others in the area. And she's running against Luann Bennett, who, you know, um, is a kind of came out of nowhere. She's like a dark horse candidate. And she was down in the polls by like 15 points just like two months ago. And now she's leading the polls by by three points. I mean, it's and crazy. Can, and that, that can, district, to be honest, shouldn't be winnable by a Democrat. You but know what's crazy? I think it just speaks to what's happening. Currently. Exactly. I was going to say blame Trump for that. Yeah. As soon as as soon as allegations about Comstock, uh, not not even necessarily supporting Trump, but merely not defending herself or like distancing herself from Trump, as soon as al- that allegation happened, there was a huge shift in the polls for Luann Bennett. No, totally. And I mean, keep an eye on that race tomorrow. That race is going to be crazy. Oh, Another big race that's happening here in the city of Richmond is the mayoral race. Uh, there's oh a couple God. really big candidates that are running tomorrow, and uh, I'm not going to shy in my support of LeVar Stoney, who's running for mayor. Uh, he's running against Joe Morrissey and Fuck Jack that motherfucker. Bear. And Jack Berry. <laughs> Fuck hey, that yo. motherfucker, too. What's the election for next year? Uh, well, so that's another thing. So obviously we have our mayoral election that's happening. 
uh, as well. And there's three candidates, the, the major candidates that are running tomorrow, which are you know, Jack Berry, uh, Joe Morrissey, and Lavar Stoney, Stoney, who I support wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but How do you feel about uh, Mosby? So Michelle Mosby, she you know is current president of the city council, but she's not qualified enough to be honest to to mm-hmm. be the the mayor of the city. She's not um, she doesn't have the experience in terms of you know the connections, um, plain and simple. She doesn't have the in my opinion the drive, mm-hmm. um, and you know the city needs a young mayor, needs a fresh face, somebody that hasn't been here before, and that's why I support Lavar. Um, you know, I'll just give my plain reasons just in like 30 seconds. <clears throat> he's young, he's smart, he's driven, he has the connections, and um, he's worked on both sides of the aisle before to get things done. Um, he was a part of the helping, you know, bring VCU and the Flying Squirrels together to possibly construct a new baseball stadium on the boulevard. But on top of that, he's, as Secretary of the Commonwealth, he managed uh, a large organization that was primarily, you know, reaching out to people on both sides of the aisle to, you know, make gubernatorial appointments, pardons, clemencies, I mean, you name it. So he has the experience in that sense, and he's young, and he has fresh ideas, you know, and so um, I think he'll do a great job as next mayor of the city, hopefully. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you consider valuable connections for a political person? What are your, what do you value as a connection? So my value in terms of connections would be, um, you know, bringing new businesses to the area. So trying to uh, entice people to come and locate to Richmond and why it's so important to locate here, selling people on Richmond. So bringing the right people to the table, whether that be from the business community, whether that be from, you know, healthcare, or just being a fresh face for people to look towards Richmond and be like, oh, that's a place I want to move. That's a place where I'd like to my company to move or take my family or um, helping schools. And somebody, I told, I was talking to Faisal about this as we were walking into Curran's place. Why I value LeVar is someone that's only been through the system can change the system. So he grew up on, you know, supporter housing, basically. Um, you know, he was raised in poor economic, socioeconomic conditions, you know, grew up on a free and reduced lunch in school. So Richmond is currently struggling with schools, and that's something that LeVar understands because he's been through it, and somebody that has worked through the system that has worked against him pretty much his entire life. And so I was telling Faisal, that's one of the main reasons why I also support him. So, But we'll see, man. Tomorrow's going to be a crazy list. Like, I think Jack Berry is going to be a phenomenal mayor if he ends up becoming mayor. Um, I th- you know, he has experience as well, and I, I would support him 100% if he ends up winning. Let me ask you another question, follow-up question. This is kind of an aside. So what would be your talking points if you were to run for an office position? First of all, let's figure out what position you would run for. At this point in your life, what position would you like to run for in office? Um, at this point in my life, if I were to run for something, it would probably be at the very local level. Um, okay. Just because... I would need to understand what I'm doing in the first place and what how the system works, especially on the inside. Um, so I'd probably run for school board, um, if not school board, running for city council. And just because local government is the closest to the people. It's where you understand all the issues. It's where you get a good understanding of what the neighborhoods are like. You get to affect real change because people will call you directly about their problems. Mm-hmm as opposed to dealing with a staff member or something along those lines. So the local lo- local level is is primarily where a lot of the issues get handled. And then they escalate from there. And so ideally, I'd probably run for school board. Because then I would understand what is, what's going on with the city schools. Or if I, I mean, I'm obviously saying this as if I were a resident here in the city. Then I would probably run for city school board. Okay. Now, obviously, you have a big understanding on education and why that's important. That's one of your main <coughs> running points, correct? So if you were running for mayor, what are the other points that you have that you would run off of? I would talk about bringing economic development to the city. How would you do that? Uh, I mean, that's, that's to be honest, it's a really hard question. I would probably do it by, first of all, meeting as many people as you could. Um, it, you know, making as many introductions as you could, whether that be just, you know, make, getting on the phone and starting to call businesses that are interested in locating to a medium to medium to upcoming city like Richmond. Um, understanding, and then the second biggest thing is understanding your financial situation. 
I think my first 100 days would be f- focused on what is going on financially in the city of Richmond. Like, where are we at numbers-wise? Like, are we, are we in the black or are we in the red? And then, we owe a lot of money. and if we're in the red, then figuring out how to make that happen, fix that situation. I guess that would be first, uh, even before economic development, because you can't recruit businesses to come to the city unless you know where you're at fiscally. So that's where I would probably start and then go from there. So a hundred days. Um, yeah. The hundred day plan. hundred days. Call it today. It'll happen. <laughs> um, and then... This is, I don't mean to dominate the conversation, next year is going to be a gubernatorial election. So whichever way this election goes, this presidential election, Virginia typically, before this this last governor, which is Governor McAuliffe, the way every, Virginia typically had gone the opposite of the White House, so, gubernatorially. So if the president, if it was, a, it was a Democrat that won the White House, Virginia would typically go Republican gubernatorially. Governor McAuliffe was the first governor to change that. Um, UFC 205. Man, what a transition. That <laughs> so, is going to be... Man, Connor, this, this week has a lot of shit going on. We should just put Hillary and Donald Trump in the octagon. And let him and, scrap it out. Fuck shit up. Throw a chair in there. Yo, who would win? Who do you think would Probably Donald Trump. <laughs> Hillary had pneumonia this year. Yeah, but Donald Trump has small hands. But Hillary has... Hillary has the stamina. Yo, I wonder if those. I wish Celebrity Deathmatch was still around. They would totally do that. Yeah. Oh, they also, would so much. Also, jumping around in my kitchen right now because he's got like, like, water everywhere. We got Happy Tree Friends. Oh, true. That show was fucking violent. <laughs> Happy Tree Friends is terrifying. No endorsement. UFC 205 headlining fight is Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor. Yeah. Very interesting. The Irishman himself. <laughs> Pretty interesting. We'll see what so happens. So, what are your predictions, Conor? I don't know. I don't like Con. I don't know. I can't say I don't like him. You can. You just did. I. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> Connor is somewhere in the world listening right now. Like yes, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, the V and obvious. I've gained his approval. That's all I ever wanted. <laughs> He's a good fighter. His stand-up game is pretty good. But he can't take it to the ground. Eddie Alvarez is, has a pretty good ground game. He's been fighting good jiu-jitsu know. fighters lately. He fought like three. Yeah. I think for me personally, I'm kind of riding the Connor bandwagon for like for a little bit. I'm going to just root for him just because I'm a, more of a fan of him than I am of Jose. <clears throat> Really? Yeah. Why just a little bit. I mean, just because, you know, I know more of his character. Uh, I've watched more of his fights. I'm, I know more about his style. So I'm just by default leaning towards Connor. I'm looking forward to the Calvin <laughs> Gaslam and Donald Cerrone. The cowboy. He's a dude. He came out UFC 203 in a cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fucking he wrecked did really the other well. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. He did really well. Oh, Misha Tate's back at it, too. Yes. She's going to die. To Pennington. I'm rooting for Misha Tate, though. I am, too. But it's going to be interesting. And the uh, Thompson fight. Good, uh... Well, isn't Conor McGregor the, uh, the the headline? headline? But he's not, obviously, the underdog, right? Alvarez is clearly Alvarez the, is the other underdog. Right. The fight's going to be happening out in New York for the first time. For the first time, yeah. yeah. It's going to be Brooklyn. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yes, I think it's the first UFC fight yep. in New York ever. ever. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, I love is, that. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm about NYC, the Big Apple. Yo. I guarantee you will see Jay Z at the fight. Oh, I promise you. <laughs> I would put in Vegas odds. I would put money on seeing Jay Z at the fight, and I would get a lot of money. Jay-Z Why has it taken so long for a fight to happen in New York? I don't because know, of their laws. Question. Because the MMA was uh, illegal there. That's yeah. what the boxing commission. Uh, the WWE actually faced a lot of shit going into New York. They're a lot easier because at one point in time, WWE used to be headquartered in New York, and they faced a lot of shit from the sports commission. They actually have a hard time in Nevada, ironically, where MMA is like fine. And I mean, Madison Square Garden, like anybody that's anybody has been there. 
Oh, yeah. will it be a, will it be a Madison Square Garden or no? I'm just saying New York in general. Oh yeah, yeah. As yeah. A, in terms of venue, <clears throat> it'd be crazy events. if it was at Madison Square crazy. Garden though. That I would think be pretty cool. Is. is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is at Madison Square. Oh, that would be that's oh, New is. York, New York. It is. Yeah. Um, but that's that's amazing. I love it when things are right in the Big Apple. Yeah. I mean, right in this. The, it's the heart of East Coast. Uh, just Google it right now. Just two hundred five location or whatever. <coughs> Sorry, y'all, I'm still kind of sick, so if you hear the coughing. If someone, one of our listeners, wants to count how many times Asif clears his throat or coughs, I will send you a crisp cyber <laughs> high five. Yo, we need a special pop filter just for you. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah, I told you. It is. I told you. Garden. Holy shit. That's awesome. Yeah. Yo, yeah. you're going to see Mellow there. It's going to be history. You're going to see... Yeah. All the probably will be there. Yeah, you're gonna not see. if he's playing. Uh, well, they went. Oh, true. Saturday night. Okay, so when does that happen? This weekend? Yes, sir. <laughs> Saturday night. I will be ordering it. So if y'all want to come through and watch it here. Yep. All right. I like that. I like that. Yeah, because I don't want to fucking go to Fox and Hound doesn't exist anymore. Went out of business, so we can't go there. On the <laughs> spot where you usually go. Yeah. What happened? Been, <laughs> they used to be packed beer. every time. Bro, I got beer at the house for free. I know, but their business was true. Like, it's kind of hard to imagine that they went They out. probably only made money on those nights. If a fight only happens once every three months, yeah, it's not going to... that's true, that's true. It's not going to help the business. Yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. so we got our website up and running. Asif, what's the website? Obvious. Dot strikingly. Dot com. Com. Sorry. And what's our Twitter? Someone plug it. No, what is it? I think Asif recently changed it. At Obvious Podcast. Okay. A simple. A B V I U S podcast. How do you spell the part? <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Get your headphones. One of our on, listeners man. tweet that to us. Teach us how to spell and make the noise. <laughs> exactly. That's the one. Man, if we're expanding, like I wish I we were. For once, I wish we were talking about sports in general and not just UFC because, like, a lot of sports shit happened. Dude, how about the Dallas Cowboys? Seven and one. Dak Prescott? Oh, my God. Number four draft pick comes correct. That's how you build a football team. Now, let's take a minute. Okay, so how's your boy A-Rod doing? Y'all lost. Y'all gave that fucking game away. And I think actually Dak ran a train on your ass, too. <laughs> Went to fucking Wisconsin. Says, let me take your cheese head and shove it straight up that candy ass. Jeez. Bruh. I knew he, I knew this motherfucker was going to start talking about the Dallas motherfucking Cowboys. Bruh, that's America's team. Get the fuck out of here. Yo, you're not patriotic. You're a team my ass. fucked up, bro. My you're Anti-American. American I think Adam's trying to say the Dallas Cowboys. Ass. I was gonna talk about the obvious podcast. Dallas Cowboys. Some ass. I was gonna talk about the Lions beating the Vikings. (laughs) Oh, that was a great game, though. (laughs) That was that was a very tough game. That was a very respectable game. Then I was gonna talk about the Cubs, and then I was gonna talk about. Yo, props to the Cubs coming from three down. Congratulations, Cubs. Make him back Amazing. to the future to a reality just a year later. I was about to say yeah. that. Yo, there was it a could guy, have been the, last year. There was a dude who predicted that in 1993. That's all that shit on Reddit. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> That's Back to the Future too. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> back yeah, to the Future too. Shout out. Was that a fluke? Marty McFly. Was he Scott Lucky or what? No, no, no. Faisal is talking <laughs> about a legitimate, like, actual real-life picture where the guy... Yeah, his yeah, yearbook yeah. photo was... Cubs yeah. World Series 2016. You heard yeah. it here first. You heard it here first. Well, he said it first, but... Yeah. That's, see, anybody can be Nostradamus. Just make fucking calls. And then after that, the last sports thing I wanted to bring up was Pacquiao's victory. Yeah, that was a very interesting return to the squared circle, man. Very respectable. Pacquiao's yeah. back. Who knew? No one. He was, he was like, I'm in the, the Senate. I'm in the Senate and I'm in the ring, too. the family. Filipinos, man. He Dwight doesn't represent Filipinas? anything Filipino, though. I mean, he's a mayor or some shit, right? He's a congressman. <laughs> he's a senator. <laughs> he's a delegate. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Fucking some political position that's getting overrun over there. <laughs> man, we Philippines are in a bad way. <laughs> haters after this episode. <laughs> Bro, that's all I'm love. Anyway, 
What are you watching right now? <clears throat> what am I watching? What are you watching? What's on the TV? What's on your queue up? Uh, well, I've been kind of cycling through different things right now. Is Yala ahead of me and Luke Cage? I think I've seen maybe three or four episodes in that. I've seen a few episodes of The Get Down. I'm watching um, The Flash 2 as well. Uh, Dark Matter. Um, but I'm only watching like an episode. Like I'm nowhere near... You know, in the season of any of those of those shows, I'm like, I'll watch one episode here, and then the next day I'll watch another episode of a different show, or whatever. So like, I'm kind of in the beginning stages of a lot of different shows. True. Nice. True. Tori, how do you feel about Luke Cage? Have you have you started it yet? I've only seen the first episode, uh, just because I had to go somewhere, so I try to fit it in in between two previous plans. But mm-hmm. I am down with it. As I knew I would. Speaking of down, have we seen the get down? Yeah, I just mentioned that I started watching that. And I think right now it's, it's my favorite show. I've only seen two episodes, but it's, it's definitely my favorite show of everything. I right figured now. it would be. I think it... <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? It's a good show. It's it is. Top I, just, five. I, just, I, just, I just figured it would be one of Faisal's favorites, man. I feel it like they real... got everything right. Like the, the history, the, the acting, the fashion, the everything. They just... It... it Tickles everything that could be tickled in me. For for those of you that don't know who Fizzy Fies is, is, he's the hip-hop fanatic, pretty much lives, lifestyle. What does hip-hop mean, Faisal? Hip-hop means different things to different people. It's a a culture. But the show show touches on all of what makes hip-hop to a lot of people. It talks about, I mean, it, it portrays graffiti. It, of course, portrays DJing. Even before the MC took over the party, you know, hip-hop from its very inception. Of course, you know, there's MCing in there too. Breakdancing, dancing is a huge part of the show. Um, I haven't seen enough of it to really get that into it, but um, it touches on a lot of social issues too. Um, but I can only talk about <clears throat> what I've heard from other people. I haven't gotten far enough into the show to really say much. Um, but so far, it's my favorite. I think, they did, I think they did everything right. I mean, the way they portray Flash, like, you know, with the with the attire, all of it, everything, you know, that I've read, everything, all of the sources, you know, that would confirm a lot of what, what how it's portrayed in the show. So I think it's awesome. Tori, what are your top five Netflix <clears throat> picks? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's give our listeners a little bit of a background on the S in obvious. True, true. Um, yeah, I am Tori. The I am representing of the S because of my last name, and I oh. was brought on to here recently. And uh, once again, thank you, thank you to thank you. To you guys. And hopefully, I can help contribute in any way, any way possible. Um, uh, my background's more in film. And editing, uh, more on the creative side of that part, and like to watch TV, like to watch YouTube, and hang out with cool people, like these guys. Oh, yeah. She used to like watching Vine before it got discontinued. Yeah, rest in peace, Vine. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Vine. So what are your top five? Top five. I would say, from a nostalgic standpoint, Pokemon Indigo League. Um, I would say also Bob's Burgers. (laughs) Luke Cage, as of right now, I've only seen one episode. Stranger Things, um, Star Trek. Which that's one? All. Uh, original series. Good question. Um, I haven't gone too far into next gen, but we will we will see about that. My goal is to get through all of Star Trek media before I perish from this mortal realm. Yo, true. I feel that. I support this goal. I feel the same way about Battlestar Galactica. So that's also really good. Everyone's a silo. Fuck off. Fuck off. <clears throat> we some well-rounded nerds. We're round. So, so yeah. We're all just really round. Do I, do I get to talk about what I'm watching, guys? Yeah, 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 yeah. Toy didn't finish her top five. Damn. What's that? that, that was I thought it was five. Three and a half. <clears throat> what are you talking about? <laughs> right now, number one is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You guys need to watch that. If you Even if you never, ever, 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 ever want to watch anime ever, watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's so good. We just lost about a thousand listeners that we already didn't have. <laughs> and we just gained like two million because it's that popular. 
So we're still uh, sort of negative 1,000. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll admit, I've, I've seen some of JoJo. I'll admit it. I saw about 10 minutes of the first episode, and I wanted to throw my computer out the second floor window. Yeah, the first, the, so the first, the first season's a little slow, but it's still good. Still good. Um, I started watching Key and Peele. <clears throat> <laughs> Let this man finish his recipe. <laughs> It was like that, guys. Okay, well. but anyway, so yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is my number one for right now. I just think it's really good, and it it kind of breaks the the mold of the stereotypical. I'm the hero, so everything's gonna go my way in anime. I think it's really good. Um, number two, I'm actually going through um, Hawaii Five O, which I think Ooh. is really good. Well, hold on, Ori- original Ooh. or the new one? I actually just finished the original one, and now I'm watching the new one. Nice, nice. Yeah, the original one's great. I, I mean, and I, I like the I like what they're doing with the new one. I think they're doing it justice. Daniel Day Kim is he's he's a good kid. <laughs> yeah, and that theme song though. Yeah, the theme song is great, and I just like the I just like the the fact that they kept like Bookum Dano like in there. I think that's good. So Hawaii Five O has actually been pretty good so far. It's it, it's only I'm only on the first season of the the reboot, and it's still like so serious. I was like, everyone's dying. Uh, Spoilers. Spoilers, everyone dies. Uh, so that's good. Uh, number three, what have I been watching? Uh, I finished Luke Cage already. It's up Ooh. there for me. So Luke Cage has been really things. good. <clears throat> I had mixed feelings about it too, but I think it sparks more positive conversation than negative. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of nuance when you need it, needed to be had when you discuss Luke Cage. And uh, when we all finish it, I really think we should talk about it because... I have a lot of feelings about it too. There were a few scenes when I finished where I was like, ah, like a little weird. That was good. Um, let's see what else. SpongeBob seasons one through three, always classic. Uh, it's never gonna. It's they're never not on gonna Netflix. I know they're not on Netflix. Okay, fine. You want well, stuff? Neither is neither, neither is JoJo. JoJo's but... adventure, but I mean. What? So what? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> the topic God was. Damn it. <clears throat> Oh, it wasn't I just. To- I thought the topic is what we're watching. Oh, I thought it was Netflix. My bad. You're right. It is what we're watching. Don't worry about it, Adam. Anyway, okay. And then after that, uh, let's see what else am I watching? Boop, 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 boop. Um, that sounds like a good show. Uh, Parts Unknown. Anthony Bourdain's newest season, season seven, I think, is really good. Is he the uh, cook? Bro, yeah, he's so much more. Yeah, and I saw him live, and it was fantastic. We can talk about that later. Oh, is that so, what yeah. you made me watch when I was sick? Yes. Oh yeah. Good time. So parts parts unknown is so. really good, and then the last thing, boop boop boop. Um, I've actually just been watching Good Eats again. Nice. So. <clears throat> and I, I, I hear it's make, I hear it's making a comeback too. Like uh, Elton Brown confirmed on Twitter that he's going to start releasing new episodes of Good Eats. I've heard oh. that too. For those of you that don't know, Adam, Adam is the uh, cooking extraordinaire. He's also uh, like makes one of the best soups that you'll have when you're sick. Yeah. Man, I need to, I need to send you some onion good. potion, that potent elixir. <laughs> Yo, I'll just throw it down right here, right now. <clears throat> Man, he cured me, like, on some, like, surgeon shit that one time. Like... <laughs> like I was like, yo, Adam, man, I'm so sick, man. And he was like, all right, man, we're going to go to the village. I need you to talk to, like, this dude right here. You need to get these green herbs, you know, get them in, like, one of them orbs, bring it back. And then I need, like, a goat limb. And then he, he put it all into this big cauldron. And then he did his little mystical voodoo Egyptian thing to it. And then he <laughs> fed me that joint. And Jeez. I was just cured. He, he That potent potion. He, he's my plug. He's my connect. I go to him every time. Hashtag reliving the magic. <laughs> I just think it was funny that I was like, I, like Faisal and I went to get all those ingredients, and I was like lecturing him the entire time, like this is what this herb is good for, and you need to make sure you have this because of that. Faisal's <laughs> over here like sniffling and just like listening to everything I said. I also feel bad because I accidentally burned him when I gave him the bowl of hot soup because I didn't tell him that the bowl was hot. <laughs> Yo, I could have used some of that magic this weekend though. It was implied, Faisal. I think that was on a separate occasion, though. Yeah, but still, it was implied. <laughs> so on a uh, on a different note, <clears throat> we went to Creepy Hollow over Halloween. But what is that? Yeah. So for those y'all that don't know, Tori, tell us the story. Yeah, actually, Tori, please tell us the story since you were <laughs> right there in front. 
Sean. Uh, might might be copyright, but oh, never mind. All right, don't don't get into that shit. <laughs> but for real, <laughs> on Halloween or the night before Halloween, right? Or was it two days? No, it was two days before Halloween. Two days. We went to this. Uh, the Scream Forest, which is this uh, thing. Was it Ashland Berry Farm, correct? Incorrect. No, it's called Creepy Hollow. Oh, Creepy Hollow. Was that Creepy Hollow? And so, <clears throat> essentially, it's where you... They used to have a haunted hayride, but now they just have the forest, where before they would, the haunted hayride would take you to the forest. But <clears throat> now you just walk into the forest, and essentially, <laughs> you are in there with some creepy-ass people, and they are <laughs> trying to scare you. But it is the one, most wonderful thing that you could do with like 10 or 15 people. And that's exactly what we did. We rolled in there deep with like 10 or 15 people and we went through this experience together. And there were some of our comrades that were... They didn't make it. They didn't survive. I actually don't think they survived either. Their soul was still in that forest. Seriously, they had what people the with hell? chainsaws and <clears throat> everything chasing us. Yo. <laughs> Yo. At one point, I, they're not allowed to touch you, but... Someone touched me. Pretty sure someone, someone touched. Grabbed. Someone grabbed Garen. And, uh, but Garen, you know, was a fearless leader. He stayed in front and he walked through the front of it. Like it was uh, nothing. But it was, I'm dude, it was so dope. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm surprised Garen didn't suplex someone if they touched them. Yeah, for real though. He did no, it was funny. I would point at the people because I knew where they were going to be before they came out. And they were just like soggy about everything. I was like, yeah, get them. Scare the people behind me because you're not going to get me, motherfucker. Yeah, but that doesn't make the experience as fun. It does for me. <laughs> I paid for both parties. Like, whatever, $24 for that shit. And That's then drove gotta, 25 miles into the fucking woods. You got to be in the back of the line, though. You were in front of everyone, just ruining all the surprises and everything. Nah, everybody was scared. Those that wanted to be scared were scared. That's true. That's totally true. But it was a lot of fun. And shout out to Tori for giving the, the, the biggest, baddest story in the woods. Man, that was the scariest part of going into that bitch. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. No, no, but this, I mean, okay, so just speaking on Halloween in general, Halloween is one of my favorite holidays throughout the year. It's just like, there's something about it. First of all, you're a fiend, that's why. I am a fiend, that's for real, though. (laughs) A fiend for what? I think you're the first Muslim I've ever heard who said Halloween. Awesome. I said, I think you're the first Muslim I've ever heard who said, like, Halloween is their favorite holiday. Because I never had a Halloween experience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the reason I like Halloween, I think, is because, or at least I like it so much, is because, I don't know, there's something about fall and, you know, pumpkins and, I don't know, it's just a a cool time of the year and and the temperature's starting to cool down a little bit and, like, you have leaves falling and shit and, like... (laughs) I don't know. It's just something about <laughs> it's just something Fucking about being with your friends yeah. on Halloween, even if you're not like you know doing like party or uh, just hanging out. It's just like you know being with your friends when it's dark, getting scared together. Something like about the unification of that. Yeah. I don't know that I find really cool, and it's like the fresh smell of like crisp air after like hot what ass the fuck you talking summer. about i feel you but i, I feel know. like this year was the first year in a very long time in virginia that fall was actually bearable to be outside usually like growing up as a virginia kid especially in nova i don't know what it's like down here but in nova i've always remembered fall to be an extension of winter where it is just far too cold to be outside where it's just painful it's like un- the air just like pierces your lungs and it like cracks your skin you know and all of that and just accidents and insurance goes up and all of that you know like <laughs> fall and winter is really one season and it's like nine months long up in Nova <laughs> so like you know I have a very different appreciation for fall but I will say this though um this year um has been one of the most beautiful falls in Virginia um a- anywhere like even in Nova like you know it's not too cold you know, you can even rock a t-shirt now outside and, you know, the colors are vibrant. And nowadays we've been having some of the most beautiful sunsets all year, cotton candy skies and all of that. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you can attribute that to, you know, the global temperatures or I don't know what, but like, this has been the first time I felt like I I can really appreciate fall. For sure. No, it's just, just, there's something about the season yeah. that makes me appreciate it. I don't know whether that be in the morning, crisp air, waking up early when I'm going to work, 
or and then in the afternoon coming out and it being like 70 degrees and most beautiful weather but I just have always loved the season and I think part of that comes with Halloween and doing the the creepy hollow scream forest slash haunted hayride thing because it's just those memories that remind me of friends and hanging out and yeah, good yeah. times and yeah. so I'm just really happy we were able to do that this year because I was I was thinking we were gonna miss out on it again. Yeah, we've been trying to do that for like what the past three years, you know, never and it's a very popular attraction. I mean, there was there was like I don't know like four hundred people deep lined up ready to go into that forest and you know but we had the exclusive front of the line passes or whatever true um, the, and i don't know if you've been adam but like in the beginning they got like these three bonfires set up and you can just like congregate around the fire and just relax and out there you know it's away from the city definitely the most beautiful nighttime sky that i've ever seen the stars were super bright just like glittering the sky just across the whole you know as far as your eye can see and like definitely like different than anything i've ever seen before i've never seen a sky like that before you know just it was really beautiful we got to do it again for sure that's one of the things that makes it so special as well i think it's the fact that when you go out there there's no city lights and don't get me wrong i'm a city fiend but there's something about 60 65 degrees under the under the black sky lit up by stars um with your friends and so i think that's what i fell in love with and i think that's why that ride or that forest or that experience means so much to me to this day so um yeah no it was it was amazing i will say that after because you guys came on the busiest day of the season basically and after it was over uh, i think uh, one of the other narrators, storytellers by the fire, counted how many stories he told. And he said about 30 to 35 fires and times that by three. And about, <laughs> that was a lot of stories that were told that night. And afterwards, I just laid down on the ground and looked at the night sky. And it's it's one of my favorite parts of, of being out in that area. And then as soon as you turn yourself 90 degrees, you don't see any stars and you go, oh, that's that's probably short pump over there or that's that's the city over there yeah. kind of thing. Man, yeah. no doubt. Tori basically uh, was one of the storytellers at the event. and She made the experience for sure, too. That was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, I'm just gravitating towards the next subject. Uh, there is no next subject. I'm not done talking about the countryside yet, boy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You put it on your phone. Bruh, I was trying to distract myself so I didn't talk about how much of a fucking city slicker you are. <laughs> Look at the stars. They're so fucking cool. I've never seen them before except hey, once a year when I'm just, out here. You're just soggy because you didn't join us that night. Yeah. Early. We were out there enjoying it. You just mad. No, you missed actually. It. I look up usually. You guys I mean, seem to not do that, so... I mean, I understand. I understand. <laughs> no, where I appreciate Austin, it though. I'm just. Giving I understand Austin where Austin's coming from though. Yeah. One of my one of my best memories was with Garan and Sai, and we were out on our deck during the meteor shower, and it was oh, cold as hell. We were all we were all wrapped in blankets watching meteor showers. Hot chocolate, man. At the Soggy yeah. House, R.I.P. R.I.P. Soggy. No, I understand. It's. I think it's a very primal thing, to be able to be in that temperature with a group of people that you know pretty well, you know. It's a, it's a certainly a good experience, and Asif needs to get outside more. Of being sitting at a desk all day talking shit about who the next president or whatever is going to be. I think it's an exposure <laughs> thing too. For sure. You grow up in the city, you don't get to see that a lot. You know. I agree. I mean, I think that's an experience that people need to have. Like I am almost the complete opposite of Asif. I don't give a fuck about the city. That's too many people for me. My ideal living situation in the future is that. I live about half an hour away from the middle of fucking nowhere. It's like me, a hundred acres, and like animals and my family. I don't give a fuck about city life at all. Like I'm a farming person. I'd be out there in nature every day. So I, it's it's good perspective, you know. That's our motto: living by perspective or whatever it is, whatever the logo. Yeah. Read the website. Yeah. You know. Um. But what 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 do you think? 
where do you think that perspective comes from? Do you think it comes from your family in India? And how you guys are in your own village at in India? And oh, for being, sure. Yeah, being... I mean, Tell us about that. Nah, that's okay. That's for another episode. Um, stealing content, you know? Sorry. Copywriting yourself for a later date. You ain't following the content distribution protocol, awesome. You slip it. Slip See, this is what happens when a city slipping goes to the country for the first time. Slip it. You're right. But no, I agree. Like, every time I went to see my dad in Maryland, it's the same. It's dark. It's in the middle of nowhere, and you can see every single star in the sky. It's beautiful. That's dope, man. That's dope. Yeah, no, I just, uh, definitely appreciate that a lot more. When I was growing up in the burbs, I mean, we I could see it, but not as clear as you can right. see it when you're out there. And it's, I agree, because in Herndon, one of the best memories I've had, but to get real sentimental, is after my dad and I used to watch wrestling, he used to go outside at night and just walk around. He'd take laps at night, just walking around the neighborhood. And I just used to walk around with him. And just look up and be like, Dad, look at all the stars. And he'd be like, you're a fucking little kid that doesn't know anything. <laughs> but I understand. And I mean, just, you know, speaking of stars and, and perspective, I mean, it, it puts you in, in your place and understanding like, you know, there's so much We're more. so insignificant. Yeah, dude, there's so much more. We don't mean a goddamn thing. There's so much more stuff out there. I mean. That's why I have such a big fascination with space, I think. And, and you can ask a, a lot of people that I know is that, like, I love I have this weird obsession with space movies. Like, I, wa- I love watching space mm-hmm. movies. And I, something about it. I don't know why. It just makes me, like, I loved watching The Martian. Um, you know, uh, there's this movie called Sun. Uh, like Sunshine. Gravity? Gravity was Sunshine cool. Sunshine is awesome. Yeah, Sunshine. Sunshine is one of my oh, favorite movies. So good. Um, Gravity was dope. Um I mean, there's so many cool, just like Apollo 13. I mean, you just keep going. There's like uh, a lot of really cool space movies. So I, I just have this thing with um, with space movies. I, I completely stars, agree. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you agree? Uh, the fact that uh, with Asif saying that space is so intricate and, and amazing to the fact that we, and also just having all these movies, so just science fiction movies, uh, TV, literature, media in general, of just this vast new frontier, not to quote Star Trek, but the final frontier of discovery. I mean, we we know more about space than we do our own ocean. It's, mm. it's very, very interesting of a subject. I've always been fascinated about that kind of stuff, like to the point where I started looking into like, physics and string theory and all of that and i have like conversations with you know adam and Tallinn for like so many hours about different you know possibilities and different theories that you know are out there and you know the concept of time and all of that you know Dude, time i've always been really fascinated about that and i love space uh space themed movies as well i said when i build my vr studio i'm gonna hook you up to a to like a space sim for real Please, bro. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Please. Speaking of stars, Adam recently was in the presence of your boy. What's his name? Mr. Anthony Bourdain. Tell us about that, man. I'm Damn, surprised we dude. haven't talked about that yet. What can I say? Um, I got surprised by my cousin. Uh, she got me tickets to go see him at Constitution Hall in D.C. And I'm it was like... She thought, uh, well, no, I'm, I'm just trying to remain calm because if I start talking about it, again, like, my voice will be raised by like several octaves. Worst cover ever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was funny because she, uh, she thought it was a book talk, but I was like, why would he just talk about a cookbook that makes no sense? His next or his most recent book is called Appetites, and it's a cookbook, and I'm getting it, and everything is wonderful with the world. Anyways, um, so. I'd never been to Constitution Hall before, but it was a pretty good day. I, like, metroed, and I had a lot of good metro karma. Like, none of my trains stopped, caught on fire, or exploded. So thank you for that, DC. Um, and we get to Constitution Hall, and it's like a, there's, like, no people of color. <laughs> it was, like, all white people, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, and we sit down, and um, we're getting ready for the show. And this old guy, he's on – so Constitution Hall, 
is like there's like a large auditorium. It's on the ground. And then, of course, there's like a veranda floor type of deal, you know, right? Like an upper level balcony type thing. This older gentleman comes out from the balcony. He's clutching two tickets in his fists. He's kind of balding. And he's just kind of like harumphing around. And the announcer goes, and now everybody, Anthony Bourdain. And everybody starts clapping. This dude, this old guy out of nowhere is like, hey, Anthony Bourdain, fuck you. You oversold us on tickets. Right? And Anthony Bourdain walks out, takes the microphone, stares at this dude, and goes, motherfucker, I see two seats right in front of you. And he's like, and if this is what you're going to do when I first start my show, how about you just not come at all? And, like, everybody was like, oh, my God. He just, like, cussed out an old dude. <laughs> and, like, he got the, – the guy got escorted out. And then he was like, well, I was going to start with, like, an elaborate sodomy joke invi- uh, involving Guy Fieri. But I guess now we'll just talk about how that old dude fucking sucks. <laughs> he, like, went off on a 10-minute rant. Nice. It was so funny. That's pretty sweet. It was really interesting. They handle hecklers just like that. That's one of my favorite yeah. work procrastinating pastimes is to watch hecklers on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> like just watching comedians wreck hecklers yeah. is yeah. awesome. It's so it was satisfying. So, it was so it's an art. And, and then, like five minutes after this old dude gets um, escorted out, uh, the fire alarm gets pulled. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you serious? Yeah, and so. Anthony Bourdain, he starts talking, and then we hear a whoop, whoop, please exit the building. There is a fire. Whoop, whoop. And Anthony Bourdain's like, are you fucking serious? DC, worst crowd ever. <laughs> but he just keeps talking through the uh, through the alarm because the, the stagehands gave him the okay that everything was all right. And so he's like, man, I wonder who, who took care of that. I wonder, I wonder if it was that old geezer and he was mad, blah, blah, blah. So he's talking through the fire alarm, and they finally get it stabilized. And somebody calls Anthony Bourdain to the back. And he goes, one second, guys. And everybody's like, oh, man, boo. And he comes back out. He's like, I want to apologize to that old man because he didn't pull the alarm. It was one of my own fucking guys who burned the stew. <laughs> oh, man. He, like, and so he ripped into one of his, like, cooks. And it was, it was funny. And he, he was really good. It was a really interesting conversation. Wow. I think the best takeaway I got from him was... During the open Q&A session, somebody asked him, uh, what was like a defining moment for you in TV that, that radically changed who you are? And he was like, it was my Beirut episode where we were filming and then like we got caught in the crossfire of like a war and we had to be, you know, helicoptered out by U.S. Marines. He was like, you don't come out of that and you can't write like a, you can't write something at the end of the episode and say everything's going to be okay. And he was like, and that was the first time I really sat down and I penned like the epilogue of that episode with a, I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does, uh, but things are going to be different. And he said, like, he came out of that fundamentally different, a lot more pragmatic than he used to be. He was not as like happy-go-lucky afterwards because of the gravity of the situation. And I thought that was really humbling of him to say. So it was really cool. So shout out to you, Mr. Bourdain. You, you do a good talk. What did you learn from him? What did I learn from him? Yeah, yeah. Everything. I learned I learned that he's really quick on his feet, which is which is I think really funny. Like uh, a lot of different guests would come up and or a lot of people in the audience would shout like this business is better than X Y and Z and he'd have like a counter almost immediately. Um he made a joke like, oh, I'm going to need another beer after this is over because of, like, how terrible you guys are. And some dude – some dude – I feel kind of bad for the dude, but not really because what do you expect? This dude, he ran over to the refreshment stand, bought a beer, and put it on the stage for Anthony Bourdain. Like, that's nice, right? Anthony Bourdain looks at it. He's like, great. So this old dude's going to assassinate me, and I'm going to get roofied by you. Like, just <laughs> – it was so funny. But, yeah, so really quick on his feet. And, like, no, he left it there the entire time, <laughs> which is kind of. I mean, it was an open. It was an open. It was an open container, and he was drinking from cans. Like, True. who knows? <clears throat> it was probably some liability thing. What if something did go wrong? Well, but, uh, yeah, what I, I meant by that question was like, did you learn anything that kind of would enhance your skills or like made anything? Uh, did you improve anything from that? 
Um, hmm. I, I mean, the the process of getting into Constitution Hall definitely tested my patience because there were a lot of... So I, I learned to be more patient and I learned how to subtly make sure nobody muscles in on my spot in line. That was something really cool. This lady behind me was trying to like sneak up behind me and like push her way into the line. She was like really just like absurd about complaining. She was like, why is everybody having conversations with the people who are giving out tickets, blah, blah, blah. And like nobody was having conversations with the guides. They were literally asking like, where am I? What row am I in? What like, where is this row or this row? And she was like, just being like a, like a grown ass baby, you know, like a adult who is just like a baby in adults clothing. And she was like trying to subtly cut me, but every, and my cousin noticed. And every time that happened, I would just kind of shadow her and move to the right or move to the left in a very slow way. So she couldn't get around because we were stuck in stairwells. And so like, I learned how to just kind of be an obnoxious body because like, she was being ridiculous. I would love to see like a stop motion animation of this like social interaction, like just how that that would have played out, like y'all's body language and all of that. Yeah, it was funny. I was like, I was like, you do this one more time because she tried to like she tried to trip up my cousin too. I was like, man, I was like, cuz you should throw some elbows, and she was like, I'm a little bit more dignified than this woman. Sure. Yeah, so it was pretty cool, and uh, yeah, it was a good day overall because like. Like I said, like I, I usually am not a fan of taking the metro, but I just had really good metro karma. Like I, all my trains ran on time. I was able to stop in Crystal City and hook a hook it up with Kebab Palace, twenty four hour joint. Dope. Uh, so, so it was good. So I didn't, I didn't have a. It was a, it was like a perfectly good day. Like mm. it, it, I came home, and like I had no problems. Everything was good. You comfortable driving out there yet? Yeah, I mean, I drive on occasion, but like, I don't like, I don't like to because it's just I don't want to deal with the traffic. Yeah. So like, met, metros, I usually just drive to metro, the metro station in Reston. I pay four bucks for parking all day, and I just metro around. Is this the new Silver Line? Yeah. Okay, man, I haven't been back in so long. I forgot like how rapidly it's been developed. Man, Faisal, I'm telling you, the next time you come to Reston Town Center, you won't even recognize it. It's oh, completely different. Wow. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Really? Really? Well, what's terrifying? <clears throat> like uh, Reston Town Center, where the new metro station is. Before, like when when Karan and Faisal and I were growing up in that area, we were like the the only thing that was at Reston Town Center was like a Target, an ice rink, and like a couple of stores. Now there's luxury condos everywhere. A bunch of high rises. This huge metro station, like it's I really liked that Reston Town Center, though. I thought it was really cool when I went there. Oh, it is, it is, no doubt. But it's just from when we grew up, it's like complete. There's no, it's not, it doesn't have like that weird small town feel to it anymore. It's really crazy how like how much construction is around it now and stuff like that. Did you know that Reston was the first planned community in the nation? Yes. We wow. learned that growing up like a hundred thousand times. Yeah, it was like the first thing we learned. Like, Reston, everybody jerk off here. Just saying, for those of you that didn't know on our po- our podcast listeners, what's a planned community? <coughs> the projects. <laughs> no, essentially a planned community. I mean, it is. Not really. Tell me what a project is. No, no, I'm just saying that like a planned community is something that's essentially uh, you have designated areas for specific things like. Uh, it actually, like, the community has, like, for example, you know how VCU had a 2020 plan? That's, like, a planned community. So, essentially, Reston had a plan for where it wanted to be in XYZ amount of years. Interesting. Um, But that's also dope. Whenever I go there, I really enjoy the feeling because there's so many things you can do in that area and you don't have to go far. Like you don't have to go to Tyson's. You don't have to go XYZ place. You can just go to Reston Town Center and get most of your stuff done if you needed to get... Like there's an Apple store there if you needed to go get that done. Um, so, cool, man. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. It's interesting being back in this area and seeing all the changes for sure. It's the same thing with uh, down near in the center of Virginia with Short Pump. Uh I mean, when I was growing up, you guys might not realize it, but where all those living um, townhouses and condominiums are, that was just fields. There was nothing there um, 10 years ago. And it's it's 
it's probably in, in vain of what you guys have seen up there in Northern Virginia is just seeing how quickly, to an extent, how populated a area can be and can get with, with everything. No, dude, I'm with you, actually. That's a really good point. I grew up in Richmond in, in the suburbs. And so, yeah, when growing up, short pump didn't really exist. <laughs> I've seen the pictures, man. It's yeah. developed very rapidly. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, the crazy. amount of congestion that's in short pump is ridiculous. It's very equivalent to... That's like, when people think of Richmond and its suburbs, people don't think of traffic, right? But there actually is a decent amount of traffic in short pump, and it's actually kind of crazy. It's, it's so much traffic. What yeah. are you talking about? People don't think that there's traffic in short pump? No, no, I'm saying there actually is a decent amount of traffic. There is, yeah. yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so when growing up, I mean, short, Chesterfield Town Center was the place to go. That was the only real mall in the area. And all of a sudden, outdoor malls started to become a thing. And so they created short pump. Then they created Stony Point, which is supposed to be the high-end mall. Yeah. And then Stony I mean, Point, I, remember, I remember when Regency was the oh, main yeah. mall on that on the other side. Yeah, no, Regency was like hot shit back in the day, dude. Oh, yeah. And now it's like people only go there out of like necessity. That's a chain, though. That's, that ain't a local thing. Because I what? think we got Regencies up and over, too. Well, Regency is a company. The people that opened up Regency started with a furniture store. Their furniture store is in somewhere close to Waldorf. If they're related at all, I might just be like connecting shit. That says Regency. I think I'm thinking of Regency Theaters. Regal Theaters? Regal, Regal Cinemas? Think, thinking about Regal. Oh. Yeah, but Regency was a, is a furniture store in Maryland. And it's like one of the largest furniture warehouse type places. So they might... I don't know if they had anything to do with Regency Mall. It sounds like they might okay. have. Yeah, let us know if you know anything about Regency Malls. Besides that it's done. Yeah, Regency Square Mall. That's Regency technically Square the name. Malls. Yeah interesting but yeah i mean the metro was good uh this old dude who like sat on herndon's town council like 23 years ago was telling me about herndon's history and i thought that was really cool too during my metro ride he was telling me how before like past world gate there was literally nothing but dairy farms and i thought that was crazy Yo, well, you know, we, we, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in this week to the podcast uh, if you have any questions uh, or concerns about what we talked about this week hit us up on uh, Twitter or shoot us an email uh, but if not looking forward to checking you guys out next week uh, happy election day Woo. Go out don't forget yeah for don't forget right to person. vote what did you say make, a, make America soggy again guys <laughs> I said don't I forget to vote alright <laughs> yo catch us next time peace if you would like to educate us, challenge us, or provide feedback, write to us at our email, abvi.us.podcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at abviuspodcast. Thank you.